Hey guys, welcome to Content Candy's new, new show. It's kind of an old show. It's uh, Cinema Bias with myself, Video Drew, and Alex Mack. Please enjoy. Check us out wherever you can find podcasts, Apple, Spotify, what have you. Like and rate and leave a review. That's like a thing you can do on podcasts. And make sure to also check out patreon.com backslash video drew to find out ways that you can support this channel, which is growing. Okay, end of thing. what I have in my hand here. Um, do you yeah. have another Spirited Away piece of memorabilia? That'd be amazing, right? If I just pulled out something else from Spirited Away, just straight up on Super me. Casual, oh. casual, no big deal. Like, you know, no thing, everything. Know? Did you hear this? I read this in the New York Times that Mir- Mizaki, whatever, he's making yes. a new film. Um, so which cool. every time I hear that, though, I'm like, yeah, you've been saying that literally for every single movie that you've directed for the past, like, 20 years. Yeah, but this was actually coming out. It was supposed to be your last movie. Yeah. Yes, that's true. It's a New York Times piece, and it was like, he's doing a new movie, and I was like, um, that's awesome. I should tell Alex. But no, Alex, what I have in my hand is palm reading. It's a guide to uh, reading your palm, a Ooh. little guide to life's, life's secrets. So I can just tell Whoa. you anything about your life based on I your palm. Need I need that. Are you looking for some secrets, some life yeah, secrets? Yeah, so, so is your index finger the same length as your ring finger? Because if it is, um, is this the index finger? No, this this one, the pointer finger, is the index. Um, no. So if it did, it means that you enjoy being in control, and you possess a strong, dramatic, and can be flamboyant in ways that you express yourself. But neither that's relevant because you don't. Um, when you yeah, like yeah, finger, my index finger is definitely a little bit taller than my ring finger. Your index finger is taller than your ring finger. Wait. Yeah. It's a little bit taller. This is my index finger, right? Wait, which one's the in- which one's the ring? This. So it's like these two against each other. Yeah. Okay. Mine are basically equal, so it means I like being in control. Welcome to a new episode of Bias, guys. <laughs> this is the show <laughs> where we go and talk about uh, things like palm art, but also the movies right now of James Mangold, uh, who we are doing a Mangoldian go- Mangolden Age of Cinema Bias, a retrospective solely on the works of James Mangold, writer, director, guy who's doing the new Indiana Jones movie, because his career has been wild. What have we learned so far, Alex? Guy, if you you don't know who James Mangold is, he probably works low-key hard to make that happen, just because he has the opportunity to make these massive movies. He has won Oscars. He's won... uh, his movies haven't won Oscars, to be more specific. But he's a pretty pretty notable director nowadays. However, he's not a director that 
everyone knows about. He's not a Christopher Nolan. He's or, you know, uh, the McKay brothers or uh, or anything like that. But he's one of these consistently changing, evolving directors that can really tackle a whole bunch of genres. Mm-hmm. Whether good or bad is really up to you. However, we were getting started, we were discussing yeah. Identity, a one that I think is very bad, but other people really love. A lot of people this love movie, that doing, This movie that we're doing this week, I would put it in Identity pile if I was piling uh, the James Mangold experiences into like little mm-hmm. lumpy sums. I would, put, I, I would put Identity and Night and Day in the same category. And that, like, I don't know what these movies are doing. <laughs> I'm not surprised in the slightest. I had to be honest, though, when I remember when this whole premise was proposed and we were, like, deciding on what director we should go or writer or whatever maybe should go next. I my first thought was I cannot wait to tackle Night and Day with you. Why? Because this movie's weird. This movie yeah. is genre bending. You don't entirely. It's not what you expect from these actors with Tom Cruise and Cameron Diaz. And this is like the first, like, true action adventure movie that's uh, directed him versus like say something more much more serious it's very light in tone it's very it's meant to be very funny <laughs> whether or not it's ridiculous for this movie you can tell that it's supposed to be comedy solely based on the soundtrack which is like this goofy this goofy score in the background of what otherwise would be considered solely a mission impossible movie like the same plot as several mission impossible movies yeah yeah Absolutely. Okay, well, before we kind of dive into all that fun stuff, um, obviously. Okay, so have you heard of this movie, Drew? Did you know this movie was a thing? Were you excited? I mean, Did you watch it? What was it? Well, I know my internet might be a little bit shoddy right now, so just bear with me, guys. But uh, I did not know about it. I think I thought this one was the same as, like, a kid in King Arthur's Court. I don't I understood that this was a separate movie with a separate plot because they spell night. K-N-I-G-H-T, which is not how you spell night, night, and day. I'm still unclear about whether that's, was that their last names? They were night and day? Or was that just I like a funny so. I think so, yeah. That was like a loon because they have a thing he's holding the little, he's got a, like a little night guy. Oh, there's just a lot going on here. Um, So no, I didn't really know about this movie. I think in my mind, I got it confused for Collateral, which again is a kind of similar premise if you take away the genre of it. Collateral is about Tom Cruise, uh, like developing a funny kind of like quirky relationship with Jamie Foxx, who picks him up from LAX. But it turns out, whoops, like Tom Cruise is a hitman and like Jamie Foxx is now escorting him to like murder people. And it's like a weird fun, like it's like an identity thing. But in that, like it is Tom Cruise definitely being the villain. And it's a man movie. And Collateral is very, very different in tone than Night and Day. But again, like weirdly similar premise. I now I'm kind of curious to see if we can ever get a collateral the movie only done with with like a like with some like a comedic score or anything yeah, you know, like, there's, the score. well there's a bunch of youtube trailers <laughs> or sorry youtube channels online where it's just 
let's make the movie Fifty Shades of Grey into a Disney movie, and yeah. like, and they would like re, and they would like re-edit the the trailer essentially, and they would add like certain different music, and so it changes the entire tone. It was like if it was more of a an intense family drama versus <laughs> uh, versus a psychological thriller kind of thing, and it's it's really fun to kind of see how that would happen, and I would really be curious to see how collateral that would be worked with for collateral as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, this movie is also very funny. Like, it's got, like, a lot of quirks to it. Like, it was uh, signed on to another director at first. Twelve mm-hmm. writers signed yeah. up, uh, were technically given credit for the script. Mm-hmm. Like, that's crazy. That's so many writers. Due to the, like, large number, only one of them actually get the credit. But, like, 12 people, like, according to Writers Guild of America, worked on the script. Um, mm-hmm. That's just, just too many people. Like, you, you can tell there's too many pots, like, uh, kitchen people the cooks in the kitchen uh (laughs) development hell for a long time before they actually got tom cruise and cameron diaz who as we know were also in vanilla sky together not having like the best exact uh chemistry in that movie but i guess good enough that they would be put together for this one uh my mom my mom had one thought while watching this movie oh really what was that thought she's like wow she's so much older than him and i was like what and she's like yeah it's that mom uh it's that she thought it was like another woman she thought it was the mom from Requiem for a dream ellen barston uh and she thought it was because i'm prison ellen barston i was like no it's cameron diaz and she's like well he's so much she's so much older than him and i was like that's just not not legally true or in any way like true. In, in any way <laughs> just that just hurts my heart and i'm yeah. very very confused by that statement. <laughs> I mean, like, the, the, there's so many people that were involved in this movie, like Chris Tucker and Ava Mendes were at one point, like, slated to be next to each other. Yeah. Uh, and Adam Sandler was supposed to be in this movie against Cameron Diaz, but it was still supposed to be solely a comedy. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, there is, uh, Gerald Butler was attached, but then he decided to do the movie that I think I also thought this movie was, which was The Bounty Hunter with Jennifer yes. Innocent. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yikes. Uh, you're not kidding. You're not kidding. This movie has, like a lot of movies, it's definitely gone through some issues before it ever started filming, obviously. And there's a ton of movies that are blacklisted that are in produ- in pre-production for years before they ever start filming, obviously, with, a, with re-edits and all that good stuff. So, hi, Adam. Oh, so exciting. Um, but, yeah, so, but overall, what we did get is this action adventure comedy, uh, comedy spy thriller, and I think one of the more unique films in James Mangold's filmography overall, but also one of the more unique films in Tom Cruise's filmography as well. Tom Cruise, obviously more well-known for doing more spy thrillers, more intense psychological thrillers, such as Vanilla Sky, Collateral, the Mission Impossible films. But we haven't really seen him tackle comedy all that much since his amazing role as Les Grossman, talent agent or manager, whatever you want to call him, from Tropic Thunder. (laughs) So overall, what do you think of the cast in particular? I mean, I feel like I thought about the cast the same way my mom did, except, like, I yeah. thought they were both, like, too old for this role. Like, they were both too old for this shit. Like, they, it really was, like, one of these things where I think Cameron Diaz was, her character was written by one of the 12 writers on this project and someone mm-hmm. way younger. Like, this was supposed to be a character, I think, that was supposed to be, like, not in her, like, 
mid to late 30s, early 40s, or what, and whatever he's supposed to be. Like, these are supposed to be young, sexy actors. And it felt, like, very weird to be watching these people. Not only just, like, he, I guess he's in the right age group to pretend to be a spy, but she's, like, a mechanic, and it's, like, a cool, sexy job, and she's got this whole thing going on. I just, I don't know. I thought they, they had good enough chemistry, but that's because I think Tom Cruise can have chemistry with a rock, and, uh, like, Cameron Diaz is just very cute and adorable. Um, but I didn't feel like they... they they were particularly like a sparkling dynamic duo. And I feel like honestly, he probably would have been better played by someone a lot younger or someone like Channing Tatum or someone who has like a little bit more of a comedy background than Cruz does. Cause this movie well, does not come off like a comedy. It comes off like it's just Owen, whatever his name is from, um, from fucking mission impossible. Funny you say that because uh, Tom, not Tom Cruise, uh, Tom Cruise. He was actually one of the real big backers behind this movie. And oh, Yes, and he when he was when he was like helping shopping around and getting trying to get make this movie much more solid before filming. He originally wanted to go for. He knew that a lot of people wanted to compare it to the movie The Tourist with Johnny Depp and Angelina Jolie, <laughs> but then that movie failed tremendously, obviously. And he's like, "Well, we got to change it up somehow." <laughs> Let's try to add more, a lot more comedy than expected. And I actually like um, his cop, his casting in particular, because not only do I feel like it's incredibly meta um, for him to do the, to do that role with such a comedic take. We haven't really seen him in that role before. And I like, I liked seeing him in a character that really kind of, pushed him to flex his actor muscles if that makes sense where he's not like he's not being dramatic he's not or anything like that he's just doing something he hasn't really done before yes he's done this action spy thriller and everything but he hasn't been funny he hasn't been weird he hasn't been <laughs> um awkward or anything before and i think channing tatum um when this movie was released channing tatum wasn't a, considered a funny actor yet like we didn't have um uh we didn't have whatchamacallit uh 21 jump street or anything yet yeah. so that would have been a much more unusual to me it would actually not scratch that not unusual it much more, it would have been much more of a standard casting comparatively and yeah, and to Cameron Diaz, I feel like she can do anything, honestly. Um, but it kind of felt like a very much a like a call-in kind of situation for her, honestly. Yeah, I mean, uh, not long from now, I mean, not long from then, Cameron Diaz would retire from acting, deciding like just no more acting. Yeah. Uh, and Tom Cruise would just go on to make only action films, which is like a very, sorry, I'm like not even on camera. Those are two very separate ways to handle being a night and day. One is like, well, I'm just so good at this. So I'm just going to go star in all the action films. And the other one is Break like, my body doing that. Wait, wait, I'm saying that their last names are not night and day. So what the fuck is the title about? Wait, what is the title referring to then? I thought their last names were night and day. Is that not their night? I don't remember. Letter? I don't know. I can't remember anymore now. Weird. But wait, their last names are not. Oh my god. Wait, no. His last name is Knight. Her last name is not Day, because his uh, real name is Matthew Knight. His code name is Roy Miller, so it is Knight from Night and Day. Okay. Uh, I think. Um, here's a question. Can you just tell me what the fuck the plot of this movie is, like in under ten minutes? 
Oh, are we gonna do the the sixty second thing again? No, we're not. I just want. I just am genuinely asking, what the fuck <laughs> is going on in this film? Okay, uh, Cameron Diaz's character, she gets a, her sister is about to get married, and she wants to give her a gift as, as a as a as a gift. She gives her her dad's car, and she doesn't know it yet, but that's the plan. But she flies in because she's a bridesmaid. She's flying into town to for the wedding and all that good stuff. She's also engaged to this firefighter dude. Anyway, while she's at the airport, she's broken off the right? She what? broke off. I thought she broke off the engagement. Not, not yet. Not yet. Okay. Yes. Okay. But at that point, uh, she was not technically engaged, but he was kind of trying to. He was like bringing up the potential of marriage, and she's like, "Man, I don't want to do any of that shit." <laughs> um, but, um, and so she just happens to run into Roy Miller, Tom Cruise, Mr. Spy himself, Tom Cruise, over at the airport, and little does she know, he uh, dropped something off in her bag. Yep, um, so machine, ends up like, like big McGuffin. Yes, big McGuffin, and <laughs> and uh, he so he ends up uh, finding her again eventually. I can't remember where they uh, reunite again temporarily, but at first uh, she's just like, oh, this cool guy. He's just so interesting compared to my very boring firefighter boyfriend. Okay, uh, can I stop you right there? Can I stop you right there? Because already mm -hmm. we have three different movies. We have a movie about a girl going home to give her like her soon to be married sister like yeah. away and is dealing with the car thing and yeah she's a mechanic and she's got this younger sister who's getting married mm -hmm. she's, she's debating her own marriage situation then we've got like yeah this this spy movie with with tom cruise as like ethan hunt but going by the name roy miller he's been burned by uh he's an it's a secret agent who's been burned by his own like you know his own people and mm -hmm. is now on the run and is now like killing everybody in planes and landing planes himself there's a lot of drugging in this movie, this is like a movie that really loved to uh, capitalize on the humor of drugging Cameron Diaz and having her like do and say things that are silly because she's on drugs unwittingly, which I thought was like a weird beat. Like it just does not play that well. Nowadays, especially. Yeah. Or just like ever. <laughs> I feel like the, the, the joke of being like, uh, you've been on, you've been drugged by these men who are keeping you captive is not like an inherently funny concept. Hey, how do I? Why am I in a bikini? Yeah, exactly. It's like, um, oh my god, I think terrible. I'm a, I'm a super spy that is fluent in all these languages and these abilities and all these school stuff. I think I can change you into a bikini without seeing anything. That's what she said to him. That's what she says to him. Luckily, no, he yeah. says it to her oh, originally. He her first, right? Oh god. Oh god. Right. Yeah. Like, oh, I just drugged you and I didn't look at you when I changed you like a baby. Like, yeah, this movie is fucking weird, man. And then the timelines don't really work out for me because the first day she's supposed to be flying out to see her sister and trying on gowns. Then there's all this football that happens and she wakes up back in her own bed. But like, it's not like Groundhog's Day. Time hasn't reversed. She's still now a day late for going to her sister's. This wedding seemingly happens in real time over the course of a week. Like there's 20 things that go on. It turns out that they're looking for this device. The MacGuffin device is like some sort of corrosive bomb that Paul Dano has built. Because uh, he's in this movie, like little baby Riddler's in this movie. Um, little baby Riddler. Uh, Peter Sarsgaard. He's not. Viola Davis. Viola Davis. I know. Just doing like she just comes in like she's fucking what's her name from Suicide Squad. Just like literally the same character. Like just, just no difference in tone. Um, I am from Suicide Squad. It's uh, just a quick uh, quick reunion from 
you know, the Kate and I or whatever that movie is. Leopold, was she? Oh, she wasn't Kate and Leopold. Remember, she? Yeah, she was. The, she was a cop, like a random cop that was like oh. telling him Hugh Jackman to pick up the dog poop. Oh my god, that's yeah. so funny. That's because like that's like watching Octavia Spencer, Octavia oh. Spencer in the uh, way before she got Yeah, <laughs> but um, it's just uh, yeah. So there's just, like 20 different things going on in this movie. All yeah. within the first 30 minutes. And then we're getting, yeah, Peter Sarsgaard works for the, what, the CIA or whatever developmental office he's in, the the, the office mm-hmm. he's in. And he's actually secretly co-inspiring with the terrorists to steal it. I'm getting this plot kind of confused with one I saw two days ago, which is the Nick Cage movie Next. Because that movie also had, like, this weird element of, like, the police or, like, the government agency coming in and swooping in and yes. stealing the, you know. But that movie mm-hmm. almost randomly makes more sense. Like one more top Nick Cage can see two minutes into the future and is a Vegas street magician uh, who is falling in love with Jessica Biel, who falls in love with him right back. Makes more sense to me than the plot of the movie Night and Day, which includes no time travel, no ability to see into the future and no Nick Cage, Jessica Biel romance. And yet. And yet. Yes. What does her sister have to be such a big plot of this movie? Like, why is that like what they well, thought? She's not really a big plot of the movie, though. No, no, no. But a big part of the story is like this whole wedding thing that we have to get to, and it's not even like the third I act; think, it's not even the climax of it, the film. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you can really just take it completely out of the movie altogether, and nothing would change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Funny enough, it's she was going on a random trip. You know. Like, I just thought it was so distracting to have this whole side. It almost felt like they were they were doing something like, this is a Mission Impossible movie, but here's a little something. I, little well, I honestly thought that, I can't remember what the, the term is called, but it's essentially, she that's, that, side, that side mini plot line essentially is introduced because they need someone to compare her to, another female character to pair her to. Be like, yeah, she's real cool. She works on cars and shit. She's tough. She's cool. And you can, you know how cool she is and everything because you, you stand her next to her sister who is getting married and seems comparatively much more girly with much more with uh, that's getting married and wants to sell the car that has like a different set of morals because she, you know, wants <laughs> to go on a honeymoon <laughs> how dare she yeah but also like <laughs> therefore this, but I, I felt like that that was the reason why they just need someone to compare her to to make her seem much more interesting yeah okay okay fair enough but then but then why do you need gal gadot to compare and make her look less interesting against because gal gadot shows up all of a sudden like really late in this movie there's like a random gal gadot cameo from like pre her being famous Mm-hmm. And she's just straight up like I'm the cool spy. Like it's basically her mm-hmm. in that like red letter movie that just came out or whatever it's called. Oh, Red Notice. Mm-hmm. Red Notice. It's like the same thing. Yeah, I think it was more that. Is that to make her look approachable? To to make not only make her more approachable, but it's also to remind her she is not as cool or as sexy, obviously, as this other as as Gal Gadot. Don't. Oh, because no one's as, as attractive as Gal Gadot. Oh, yeah. Gal Gadot is no longer age-appropriate for Tom, or has never been age-appropriate for Tom Cruise, but, you know, he can do what he That's does. That's true. He, he only marries uh, women that are considered to be in his age range. Yeah. I just feel like a 
like there's a certain element of like okay his personal life is what it is but like in in the world of these films he's never playing tom cruise so he's never supposed to be able to bag women who are like half his age like that wouldn't be a plausible reality unless he's like um, oh, he's sort of james bond but that happens i mean there's a lot of actors that do that where they put it in their clause or like i will um like when he tom cruise he did american made i can't remember what the actress's name Wait, that tom cruise did american wife. made the movie american made yes Wait, the one with no. You mean the American made with the one with um with uh, J Lo? No, that's made in Manhattan. Okay, sorry, 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 sorry. Go ahead. I was like, what? <laughs> okay, never mind. Um, but American made, where he plays like a pilot during the seventies, and he's going like to and from uh, this uh, somewhere in like somewhere in the Caribbean or somewhere in Latin America and anything, but his wife is like back home. His wife is literally like 22 years old. His her. Meanwhile, uh, he is literally 55 and I, and he, and the same thing with like the movie, the mummy, he was like, he was like, oh, God, similar, yeah. oh, my God. but, his, but his, his girlfriend in that movie was not even like, she was like 26, 27. Yeah, <laughs> like, like Cameron Diaz is at least somewhat age appropriate for Tom Cruise. Although and, and because the, she's at that point, she is in her early, early forties in real life. Yeah. yeah. Which is considered so like way too old for rom com. For rom com, especially for a rom com in which your younger sister is getting married. What's the age gap there? No, I mean, I also recognize that actress. I, who was that actress who played the sister? She looked really familiar. Oh, wait, give me a hustle. Is that Maggie Grace? Oh my God, is it Maggie Grace? Is that who? I it don't is? Let me find out. Let me, give me a minute. Give me a minute. Give me, I'm trying to find out. I think you're I, right. I'm this, on Maggie um, Grace. I, was like, I was like, I've definitely seen her play a lesbian in something. Was my one thought. It is Maggie Grace. Is it? it is. Yep, you got it. <gasps> yes! You nailed it. Good job. Schmo down. Cut me a call. She was in Twilight. Oh, that's right. Yeah, she was uh, She was in the movie Twilight. She was in Breaking Dawn Part 2 and 3. So Sorry, I noticed no, she's in Breaking that. Dawn Part 1 and 2. That's not bad. I noticed, uh, oh, yeah, because she's one of the Alaskan cousins, right? Yes. She's the one who goes like in, in isn't she the yeah, one she that ends up getting killed at the very end? Spoiler. Yeah, she, she fucking snitches on them. Yeah, Vampire because she, because she's like, hey, be, no thing is, it's, she snitches on them because she's like, hey, by association, I'm gonna die. And also, she has yeah. on the back of the head that they're kind of traitors because she's like, hey, you guys also killed. My boyfriend, my almost boyfriend, Laurent Lauren. Or whatever his name is. Oh, no, no, that wasn't the same one. This is the one who killed. Wait, this is the one who's mad because the baby is a halfling or whatever. Yes, yes. But remember, okay, remember when uh, she was okay. So we're gonna go down like a big Twilight thing real quick. Let's do it, girl. Um, in, that's in, really okay, so in a Breaking Dawn Part One, they get married, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so she's at the wedding and she's like, oh, and she's like, oh, I can't be here. The smell of werewolves. Oh, they're disgusting. But also, she's like, she invited them, the ones in particular that murdered my Laurent, my Laurent, and 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 she and she and there's like, dude, they are our friends, and she's like, yeah, but she killed them. They th- these werewolves killed my my boyfriend. He was supposed to be like us. He was about to never eat humans again like us and be a fruitarian or whatever we're calling it now and she's like yeah but he wasn't and he was on their territory so yeah but he's he's in the last film i'm guessing 
Yeah, it, no, it was, it was, yeah, it was uh, Breaking Dawn Part One though. And no, 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 I'm saying, but he, Laurent, must have died in like one of the previous films where the werewolves and the vampires were fighting them, duking it out, yeah. like the previous. Film. Yeah, it wasn't. It, but the yeah, it wasn't mentioned in the in the plot any of the previous plots, but it was mentioned. Um, only in Breaking Dawn Part One. So, well, isn't that fascinating? Now we got some Breaking Dawn history. But yes, she was in it. Um, God, so, I, I know the Twilight franchise. <laughs> I got, well, I'm very interested in like Mrs. Comment here, though. Like, he's one of these people that apparently, like, he lo loves this movie. This is becoming a Mangold thing. We're realizing because between Identity and Night and Day, which apparently is also Bibbs's favorite Mangold film, according to a, a recent Twitter poll, like this movie apparently is like a fan favorite. Adam also. Thinks this is an underrated film. I mean, tell me, guys. Tell me in the comment section. Sound off. Why is this movie interesting to you, people? I think it's. I think honestly, it's interesting because it's not a movie that takes itself seriously. It's the one of the more fun movies that we see Tom Cruise in. And okay. are you, it's like are you. I'm with here, over here, down here. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, he's being very charming in this movie. I'll give him that. Yeah. He's very and, charming. And I, I like seeing that in him versus, I, I find that aspect of his character so much more interesting than seeing him in Mission Impossible for the 11th time. Personally. Yeah, well, he doesn't seem like he's having as much fun and he's like cheating on yeah. his wife kind of, but like not having fun with it. Mm -hmm. He disappears for the entirety of like Mission Impossible, like three through whatever, until he decides he doesn't need to be with her anymore and like marry somebody else. And she's like, cool with it. Very fast style. I do think as well that this movie was actually very appealing to both Tom Cruise and Cameron Diaz as as not only not because as, as actors, but because the type of actors they are. They love doing their own stunts. They they are both really great um, drivers as well. So they what? did all their own like driving stunts as well. No way, no way they allowed them yeah. to do the driving. Well, um, Cameron Diaz, she like she went to like a she went to like a stunt driving school and everything. Oh, she did it on her I own time. Enough money in the world to do that. Yeah, she she loves that shit. And Tom Cruise, obviously, famously so, he loves doing the same shit uh, when it comes to. Like, like the running, running away from dust storms and tornadoes. It's <laughs> like jumping off of buildings to hit his toe or other buildings. Yeah. So I imagine like for them in particular, it wasn't about the scripts or anything. It was just mostly to have fun on set more well, than look, anything. Compared to what we saw last week from 310 to Yuma. I mean, yeah. that was it. Like for these movies to come back to back, it's, it's sort of like, well, you just brought out the most charming uh, version of uh, Russell Crowe mm -hmm. I've ever seen. You just did a really good making this bro friendship movie. And now you're going to take like a similar idea of like meshing up the action genre with like, or the mm -hmm. action buddy action rom-com genre with something else. So like prior case, it was Westerns and this one it's mm -hmm. rom-coms and just making it into like its own thing. But like in this, I feel like it's just overly complicated. Like there's just a hundred things going on and I don't know why. And I guess 12 writers in the kitchen kind of answers my question. Yeah, and the fact that this was like was supposed to be like signed on by several other like acting duos uh, mm -hmm. also makes sense. Like I could see this dialogue working a lot better if it was someone like you know Evan Mendes and and uh, and who was the other one? Chris Tucker. Oh, Chris Tucker's a weird one, but like no, Evan Mendes. No, I want to hit reunion. Will Smith and Ava Mendes. That would have been great. Or Ava Mendes and Ryan Gosling. Holy shit! Like a real life. Oh, yeah, Ryan Gosling would annihilate this movie. He would have made this movie like. Oh the my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! This, this is, is so perfect. Work. Oh, like, fuck it. Let's, let's, real life couple, 
Blake Lively and Ryan, sorry, and, um, and, <laughs> and Ryan Reynolds. I mean, that's basically, you got a lot of this movie. Like that's, that would have been great. I mean, that would have been, oh, well, let me be honest. Like that sounds okay. I don't really love Ryan Reynolds, but that would have been like at least marketable. I mean, this movie did not do very well in the box office uh, specifically because people felt mm-hmm. like they were being really thirsty with their push for this film. Yeah. Like it was very mm-hmm. obvious that Fox was getting desperate about this movie because they had done a bunch of test screenings and they were not turning out well. And they started predicting that this was going to go very yes. terribly for them. And like, you know, Tom Cruise had invested his own money in this. He was only, he wasn't getting like a front payment as much money as he usually did he was taking like a bunch of the return on this film which like is a more precarious position to be in if this movie flops like they clearly didn't want to ruin their relationship with one of the biggest movie stars in the business and so this movie started getting this like desperate sort of campaign push out with a viral video with the two of them and there was uh there was like this movie opened early and it didn't flop as badly as people thought it was going to flop but like Mm -hmm. it still did not do great i think it was like his lowest running or is his lowest opening weekend since like far and away maybe yeah so that's not great not great ron howard that ron howard epic mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um but like this movie i think i could see why but it's not like you don't go see movies you don't walk out of movies and being like this is terrible movie and get your ticket admission price back so that opening weekend number is based solely on people's disinterest, not of like the movie once they see it, right? Like not midway through the movie, they're going, fuck this and like walking out. It's like the concept of the movie just inherently did not interest people. Watching these two actors play against each other just did not interest people. Which is kind of, I I think it's also more of, I think it's action comedies, action, well, action rom-coms not as much, but action comedies are definitely a pretty popular like subgenre. Obviously, they are very profitable. I mean, like, again, Red Notice, most recently. You can talk about, like, how it technically wasn't released in theaters or anything. However, it was considered a very – it is considered a very successful film and being viewed almost Smith? 200 million times. Yeah, 200 Mr. 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 Smith is, like, a good example of one. Like, uh, yeah. there was The Killers, that, that one – that was not very successful. But the one with the oh, yeah. Catherine Heigl and Ashton Kutcher, there's The Ooh. Bounty Hunter – there's all these Michael Douglas, uh, Kathleen Turner ones in the 80s, I feel like. Uh, yeah, I think it's a pretty, you know, Romancing the Stone. Mm-hmm. The other one. Yeah, Romancing the Stone. Uh, it's a pretty yeah. popular. It's a I mean, pretty- this means war. Yo, date night. Date night, the lovebirds. Yeah, the whole thing can be like kind of thrown into a, a different spin. There's a one with Sam Rockwell, and I forget who's the chick. Mr. Oh, Wright. With yeah, Anna Mr. Wright. Kendrick. Anna Kendrick. Talk about an age difference. That was also very inappropriate, I felt like. Mr. Wright. It was, that, that movie is so weird, but I appreciate it. I mean, there's a bunch of Nick Cage movies that I feel like technically fall under this this subheading. This is Gone in 60 Seconds, right? Like, this is a... That's not really a rom-com person. It's not really a rom-com, fair enough. But it does have, like, a very inappropriate age difference between its two leads. So it counts. Wait, how old is Nick Cage? Nick Cage is, like, in his 60s, babe. I don't know. I have no clue. Nick Cage is definitely, like, almost hitting 60, if not 60 already. He is... 57. Okay, so not super, super old. Angelina is what? Angelina is... No, she's in her mid-40s. So, it's like a 10-year's age difference. Yeah, she's 46. Yeah, so 11 years. Not huge. Not at all. Like, it's not not the biggest, but it's... I feel like Gone in 60 Seconds really highlighted their age difference. Maybe it was like when she was on... Oh, 100%. Yeah. 
That is weird. I would think they were vastly different ages, but I guess more close than I would think. But they vibe. But the thing is, they vibed together really well in the movie. Their chemistry was on point. I will say Cameron Diaz, give this to her. Like Charlie's Angels is also a very good example of a genre piece that works in that, like a rom-com mm-hmm. action film. But like yeah. give it to Cameron, give it up for Cameron Diaz. She's pretty good at playing these roles. Like these are kind of hard, like hard shoes to fill. Like opposite Tom Cruise, one of the leading actors in America, to look mm-hmm. short next to him, which is what you have to do if you're starring in a Tom Cruise movie. She's 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 already incredibly tall. She's like five eleven without heels. Mm-hmm. And obviously, Tom Cruise is one of those actors that it's a thing where he usually puts it in his contract that he doesn't he doesn't like to work with actresses above a certain height because mm-hmm. it makes him look shorter and it like so i wonder how this movie happened like how did they convince these two and why would they think these two would work together well like i said they were already in vanilla sky together but if i remember correctly that's mostly sitting down for a scene where they're in a car accident but you can't really compare the two no you can't because penelope cruz was his love interest in that yeah yeah it's just like apples to oranges essentially like they like people don't look at these not so much and these are both two well-known actors in their own right cameron diaz is he was he was hugely popular in not only in just in general the rom-com genre obviously she's she's an icon overall tom cruise he's an icon when it comes to the action thriller genre so and yeah and like and he did a bunch of teen movies i mean he'd been an icon forever she'd been an icon since I'm yeah but i mean in the, in the past for the past like 25 years it's been very dominantly this that's why he his most iconic roles are based in that genre versus Cameron Diaz her most iconic roles are based in the very yeah yeah exactly well yeah I guess my point is just that they seem the wrong ages to do this I guess he just seems really old he just seems like he's like I don't believe that these people are in love I believe that there are two actors putting on like a like acting like their careers depend on this movie working out I, I do agree. I don't think it's a movie about chemistry. It it kind of felt like they were a couple of actors that their their characters seemed like they just had a lot of fun together. Yeah, was, it was, like it was not about chemistry or anything. They just liked hanging out together. And I they mean, just happened like, to solve mysteries. And I was thinking for like couples. I mean, remember when Mr. and Mrs. Smith came out and that was like the sexiest movie anyone's ever seen? Oh my god! It also set. helps that we ended up finding out later on. No, we that, probably like, people were pretty much guessing at the time that they were boinking because yeah. they were so into each other. Like that movie was like, during so promos. Crazy. Yeah, when they were promoting it, they were like doing lovey dovey eyes at each other. Yeah, and this movie is like the opposite of that. This is just two people punching in their clock, going, "Okay, time to make a movie." Uh, now you say the funny <laughs> thing, now I say the funny thing. Like, let's be quirky and adorable, but like they are. Yeah. Also, with a weird moment where she was supposed to be dating Riley from uh, Buffy. I was like, oh, there he mm-hmm. is. There he yeah. is. Yeah. He's like, every every time I see him, I'm like, he's such a, I feel bad because he's he's such a bland actor. Yeah, he's good at playing like he, a good knockaround boyfriend. He looks, he, he looks like vanilla. He doesn't, he, he doesn't like come across do, as interesting in or anything. Yeah. Like he'd be super boring in the bedroom, but he's cute enough. And like, I like when uh, Tom Cruise just shoots him, just like shoots him in the leg. He's the I like, and he's like, "Don't worry, you're not gonna die." It's like you're totally fine. They're on their way. And but I was the only one thinking throughout this movie that it was going to turn into collateral, and he was going to turn out to be evil. 
Because he kept doing things like, you know, shooting her fiance in the fucking leg. But he was very intentional not to do it in a very dangerous way, which feels like, contradictory. In the fucking leg. Like, it's not. Yeah, not like, I didn't shoot you in the artery. I, I was very intentional with where I shot you because now you're you're if anything you're you're gonna get a medal. So good for you. You're now you're gonna go down in in history as like a like a cool guy that was trying to defend his girlfriend and everything. So good for you. That's what you want, right? And and you actually see him. You see him reacting. We're like, yeah, thanks, bro. Anyway, yeah, he's like, way to look out, bro. He does then steal his girl and drug her for several more incidents. It's so weird. Uh, also, like the idea that this movie has this one theme that they like to play up, like as if it's a comedy, a comedic theme, but it's absolutely not comedic. Which is that if any of the guys kidnapping you say uh, we're taking you to someplace safe or you'll be safe, what they really mean is they're about to fucking kill you. And like the way that people then say you'll be safe throughout the rest of the film is like in the most predatorially like predator like situations ever. Like she'll be like stuffed in the back of the car, and the guy will just keep repeating to her like, "Don't worry." <laughs> you're gonna be safe and she's like yeah i know you just said that and he's like well i just want to repeat it like you're safe here like feel comfortable Peter sarsgaard Peter sarsgaard but also like, the guy who's in the back of the car who just keeps repeating it ad nauseum until she's like yeah no i heard you i heard you tell you i'm going to be safe yeah um, and he's literally meanwhile he's like also an assassin like literally about to kill her yeah no i mean like but the fact yeah, is even if you really that with the code word you would definitely start thinking something was up the way these guys throw you into a car and just keep telling you it's safe like it's a fucking marathon man or something. I think that's the point, though. I think that is the point. I just think it's not a very yeah. funny beat. Oh, that's true. That's it's definitely not like, funny. I'm trying to think of myself in that situation. At no point would I be like, this isn't a hilarious mix-up. Or like, what a comedy of errors. I'd be like, oh, what fuck, I'm dead. I'm in danger. Yeah, totally. No big deal. Um. <laughs> this movie also has like a meat cute that involves a plane crash. Uh, that's yes. terrifying. That literally kills like, everyone a, else. A hundred people or something. Oh no, because not that many people are on the plane. Remember, remember she he bought out the. It was like a lost situation. He bought. That's why she's like she's not allowed on the plane, but then she is allowed on the plane. Because she mm. gets on there and she's like, oh hey, this plane's empty because there's only like ten people on. That's right. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, what do you think of like you said earlier the surprise? character actor of Paul Dano. I'm so well, confused about like, what Paul he was Dano. doing there, why he showed up like three-fourths of the way through the film. Like what it sorry, so he was a scientist? Explain what he's he some was. kind of super genius, a super wonder kid genius. Essentially. Okay. And at one point he stops a bullet by having something in front of his chest, but I don't really know what it was or why it was or what happened. Or why he would be so like, no, don't take the thing, when he really meant like that thing's gonna corrode and blow up whoever's near it. So please take the yes. thing. Mm -hmm. A lot of like, you know, like a lot of double, like what they call like double swaps or like long cons mm -hmm. or something like that, where like Mr. X, where you're just like, oh, how did they know to do? Oh, I don't know how they knew how to do that. I guess double triple agent situation. Yeah, or like how Paul Dano's like begging Peter Sarsgaard not to take the like the thing with him, but then as soon as he takes it with him, it blows up, and he's apologizing to Tom Cruise. He's like, "No, I'm sorry, I'm sorry that this thing's about to blow up." And you're like, "That's a great thing. That's well, that's what you wanted." Yeah, he he, like, he's, he doesn't have the mind of a spy. He has the mind of a kid that's just trying to solve some puzzles. Essentially, but then he's apologizing to Tom Cruise as if he has given up a a great. Like he's given up the special thing instead of something that's about to blow up on the bad guys. So like he shouldn't mm -hmm. be apologizing. I don't get what that apology was for. You know, it's just it's hard to say no to Paul Dano, little baby Paul Dano. That's what, what stopped the bullet? 
I don't know. I really don't. But there's, it feels like there's a whole the whole character arc between him and Tom Cruise where we're supposed to know him really well. We're I thought it was like, like a book or something from what I remember. Oh, like a book stops a bullet? Is that what happens? I'm going to Google Like that. a thick book, though. But is it a book? Like, you you see that in movies all the time where like it, it, it's like it's a yeah, book the, like, over the, the heart. Whole, the whole thing about when it's used in movies is it's always a uh, like Chekhov's gun where you've been introduced to the thing that they're putting in front of their chest before like that's how you're able to see at the end you're like oh he put the picture of his wife and it's in a locket and like that hit you know like or oh mm -hmm. he put this thing in or like in deadpool 2 it's like a coin right so mm -hmm. what the fuck is this thing that he has in front of his chest that we're supposed to know about Let's see. um uh what he, he has in front of his chest is uh, some bad writing that's why <laughs> Is that what it is? It's some terrible writing. It's actually, it's, it's, it's actually like a, it's, it's actually the nine day bad original script. <laughs> that's really awful. Uh, can I be honest? Yeah, that, that that script with all twelve writers just standing in front of them. Wait. Yes. So nuts. This is so nuts. Oh wait, Roy takes the bullet. But I guess he just faints. But he does have something in his pocket. I'm just so confused. Mm -hmm. I remember he has something in his pocket. Okay, also the fact that it's a MacGuffin or like a misdirect to know that he can swallow his breath for a very long time, which is also he, something Tom Cruise can do. Yeah, he's very, that's, that's something he's very proud about. He did it for, he learned to do it for a movie. I don't know what movie, but he learned to hold his breath for like 15, 12 or 15 minutes or something crazy. Six minutes, six minutes. Oh, wow. Where did I get 12, 15 minutes then? But that is like dead. still that. That's still a crazy, a crazy long time for any person. Six minutes is way too long to hold your fucking breath. That is, that is way too long. I don't, like, what are you doing? Like, it, when you want to hold your breath for that long, unless you're like a professional mermaid or some shit. I don't know, because apparently that scene was broken up into two takes, so that's hilarious. Uh, <laughs> wait, but now, do you want to hear something funny? Apparently, this was out last year. Kate Winslet beats Tom Cruise's underwater record in Avatar 2, in which she held her breath for seven minutes. Good job, Kate. Kill it, girl. Why we know this about Avatar 2, that's the first fact I've had leaked about the plot of Avatar 2 is Kate Winslet holding her breath for fucking 20 minutes, or whatever, seven minutes. That's crazy. Don't hold your breath mm -hmm. that long. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I do, I, I think Marines are supposed to, in order to pass, like, the basic Marine test, essentially, that you have to be able to do that. You have to be able to hold your breath for, like, four minutes or something like that. Mm -hmm. I could be wrong. I could be thinking it, it could be, like, the Navy or Coast Guard or something like that, because that would also make sense. But for some reason, I, I think it's the Marines. But they wrote this into the script, more importantly, that this is, like, the big thing that gets him out of trouble, because she thinks he's dead. He's supposed to have died, but then he, she goes to the house, I guess the safe house that he told her to go to, and it's actually the house of his parents, who do believe that he's dead, uh, but do let loose, because they think he's been like a soldier that was shot down in Kuwait, and he hasn't told them, like, he hasn't told them that he's still alive, but he's sending them money. And what is hilarious, the, like the actual he hilarious them, like, scene. win the lottery or something. Well, he He's set up the most terrible cover story for an agent, which is he keeps sending money home to his parents by saying that they've won Publishing Clearinghouse. <laughs> Dad has the funniest line where she's like, yeah, we won Publishing Clearinghouse. And he goes twice. <laughs> it's just hilarious. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, that's crazy. And he, she's like, he's like, I don't even remember entering that Publishing Clearinghouse. She's like, you don't remember what you do. That whole scene with the parents was very cute. It was. It's definitely one of the more endearing scenes in the movies. And it it's kind of weird that... Uh... <laughs> 
it had nothing to do with Tom Cruise or Cameron Diaz. No, these two mega charismatic megastars. And meanwhile, the characters that steal the steal the show are these two random side characters that don't do all that much. They're so, they're so cute, and they they get the very last scene in the movie, which is that Cameron Diaz is is moving uh, Tom Cruise down to. I guess Mexico, because I guess that's where they're going to hide out and be burned together. And at the end of the scene, you get a shot back of the parents, and they're like, and the mom's just like, oh, hey, we want a trip to Mexico. And he's like, I really don't remember entering that. She's like, you're staying at the computer all day. You don't know what you're doing. <laughs> I know. Like, oh, so cute. With, me, with me coming. Yeah. Yeah, I like those too. It's, it was, yeah, the most, definitely the cutest characters. And not to mention, um, um, I was like, from what I remember, the I can't remember the actress. She's a char- She's an actress. She's been in a ton of movies, but she, yeah, Celia Weston. She's been in a ton of movies. She oh yeah, she's in a ton of shit. She's yeah. in Goes Down most recently. That is our in. Yeah, I remember. I remember seeing her in the Intern from a few years ago with uh, De Niro and Anne Hathaway. Another but yeah, she was in. She was in another Cameron Diaz movie, The Box. Uh, no oh, God, the, one, the one by Richard Kelly, the Richard Kelly movie, The Box. I still need yeah. to watch that. With yeah, that, uh, and, I, and I think it gets, it gets a lot of flack, but I actually kind of like that movie. I have to watch it. I don't know why, how I missed this Richard Kelly film, like, and not it's seen it. It's weird. Um, James Marsden plays uh, plays his plays her husband. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Frank Langella has a thing on his face. Yes. I can't remember if it's based on a short story or... No it's, based on a, no, it's based on a... Let me tell you. It's based on a concept, which is the concept of would mm-hmm. you would you trade... Like, uh, if you could get a million dollars, would you trade... Is it just... Yeah, just the concept alone? I thought it was... Because yeah. I have no, But unlike Monkey's Paw, which was a story, this is just a yeah. concept of would you trade in, like, a million bucks for, like, you know, as a stranger had to die, but you got a million bucks, would you take it? could it? be anywhere in the world, though. Anywhere in the world. Yeah, I don't know I don't know what happens in this movie for that not to be, like, an issue that you're just like, yeah, I'll take the million bucks. Yeah, I'll take that million bucks again. I'll take another million. You know? Now, 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 now. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the ending of that movie, the ending of that movie really surprised me. Like, really? Oh, you'll, you'll see, you'll see. It's just, I remember watching it, I was like, Oh shit! This is the Donnie Darko director once again. This is the director of Donnie Darko. They went there, yeah. And Southland Tales. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Weird filmography. Maybe we'll cover that next time after James Mangold. He's not done that many movies, like though. It's like the box. (laughs) We don't need to cover all these. We don't need to cover directors that have like a filmography of like it's fifteen movies, though. Obviously. Yeah, but he just on a Richard Kelly sprint of three films that he's done, as far as I know. Yeah, that's fair. Mm-hmm. Um, so, any other thoughts about Night and Day? I'm trying to figure out why people love it so much. So let me see Night and Day Justice Four and see if anyone has it. Um, my overall, okay, my overall thoughts on the movie is I like the movie. I do think it's a messy movie, and weird movie but it's also a very fun movie and i like seeing the it's clear the actors had a lot of fun making this movie as well and that really comes through with their characters but it's also amazingly charming in a lot of ways i think it's definitely one of the more charming movies we've seen tom cruise in and 
Cameron Diaz is just herself. She plays herself the way what she usually does. And she's incredibly charming and funny and sweet. And we all just kind of love her. So what's not to like about it in theory, in spite of its weird and jumbled <laughs> script and everything? Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at, I can't find anything for like Justice for Night and Day. But I am looking at the GIFs <laughs> for this movie. There are so oh. many hardcore action scenes in this movie that like, yeah, that are just just intensely hardcore. Like the scene where like the the with the bus or like where he falls out of the sky and she's like driving the car and like this movie mm-hmm. has intense action scenes. It's not like one of those caper yes. films. It is an intensely action focused feature that has about 18 different like climaxes as far as I can tell. Like what would you consider the climax of this movie to be? Well, I guess just, I mean, the very end where, like, where Peter Skars, Skars, sorry, Peter Skarsgård at that, at the end, he's like, I got it, I'm good, you know, that kind of thing, and it just kind of blows up. Here's where I thought the climax of the movie was at various points. I thought it was the climax of the movie when Peter Skarsgård, or when he gets shot and he falls into the water. I thought it was the climax of the movie when she had the speech at her sister's wedding, or her sister's sister had a speech at her own wedding. I thought it was the climax of the movie when he wakes up in the hospital bed and Viola Davis is there. I thought it was the climax of the movie like 18 different times and each time I was wrong. I thought, it was the, I thought it was the climax of the movie when they found Paul Dano on the train and it turns out that was just like the second act of the film starting up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, yeah. So overall, I feel this is, script is a messy bitch. Uh, Pell, I mean, uh, Mangold... Did the adaptation correct of uh, 310 to Yuma, like he wrote it? Yes. So this will be the first time that I think I can genuinely say I wish Mangold had done the script of this because this script is just mm-hmm. fucking bonkers. It's all over the place. Everyone's saying like the writing on this is terrible. What I, I think James Mangold is really effective at doing. I think he's really great with editing. Mm-hmm. or revising necessarily yeah. because I think he did really effective writing and editing through adapting Girl Interrupted and I think he did really great with 310 to Yuma he really modernized it in very effective ways unfortunately there's no like really awesome female characters or really great uh, just Female characters all around in 310 to Yuma in the, in the remake, but I still really, really loved it. And I think he modernized it in a very effective way. Mm-hmm. Um, just reevaluated. But yeah, so I'm kind of curious to see how, how he, what other projects he ends up adapting later on. Because I know obviously he, when he did the Wolverine and Logan, those are also adaptations mm-hmm. of like very well known established comics graphic novels yeah uh so i'm curious what i mean like what other stuff he can like really pull through because clearly he's not a great he was, great. He was not the writer on 310 to yuma that's interesting i thought he was wait was he was not i thought he died no. no it was written by uh, let's see written by well forget me hot damn wait, three other people did the screenplay but i also thought well, he might think he, wait am i thinking walk the line walk the did line he, did, did he write, write walk the line yeah. Yeah, he did write Walk the Line. Yeah, this would be the, the Three Ten to Yuma and Night and Day would be like kicking off like the first mm-hmm. real trilogy of uh, movies that he did not write. 
So three times a year, my night and day, and then his next one, which is The Wolverine, were three mm-hmm. movies that he did not write. Then he took some time off. He, yes. uh, my guy is about to take a couple years off, which I'm very like happy about because he needs to like reevaluate and comes back with some great work. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the next movie of his is The Wolverine, followed by a four-year absence, then Logan. Yeah, fascinating. That's a fascinating thing to do. Four years yeah. later, bookend it by going back to the like same character. Well, I was I was even talking to my husband about it the other day, and I was like, "Babe, we just I gotta watch the Wolverine here pretty soon. I haven't seen Wolverine," and he's like, "It's actually not that bad." <laughs> I mean, like, it's not good, but it's not that bad. Like, people, some people make it out to be like trash. Is it the what? X? No, there's Wolverine. There was X Men Origins Wolverine, and then there was the Wolverine, right? Yes. Okay, yeah. So X Men Origins like focuces on. I don't know. He's married, and he's a lumberjack or something at one point. <laughs> yeah, and he's uh, up against uh, what's his name, Leif Schreiber, right? Yeah, his same co-star from, Yeah, his co-star from uh, from Kate and Leopold. Kate Leopold, yeah. Mm-hmm. This one, the Wolverine, is the one where he's like in Asia. Yes, he goes to Japan, and it takes place, I believe, during World War Two. What? Really? World War II? Okay. Yes. He sa- he saves a, a Japanese soldier and the he saves him and the Japanese soldier witnesses like him. Oh, being, is it like, like told in flashback? Because I know it takes place right after the last kind of, day. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Um oh. but the the Japanese soldier um he wants to thank him and he's like, You're the one that saved me, thank you. And meanwhile, he is at this point, he is like a very successful businessman and everything. He is an old man. He has great grandkids, oh, <laughs> all, that, all that kind of thing. And he he wants to thank him. And he finds Wolverine. So, Oh, shit. Huh. Yeah. Huh. But it's, yeah, I've been told it's not... Uh, it's definitely not like in the top five <laughs> of uh, the X Men franchise or anything, but but it's definitely not awful. It's not that bad. So I'm, I'm really curious. curious to that. Too. I'm very interested. I'm. I think that when he finds Hugh Jackman, like he did in Caden Leopold, he doesn't realize like what a good like collaborator he's found yet because they really need to find the right feature. So like this is gonna be interesting to see because mm-hmm. to go to to have the Wolverine be, I think it was pretty much a flop, though, right? Like when it came out in the box office. No, whoa, whoa, it did huge in the box office. Holy shit! Wow, it had a hundred million dollar budget, but it made back four hundred million dollars. Damn, good for them. Fucking Jesus! I know it was considered. It was like critically panned at the time. Uh, it was considered better with to reception than the Origins movie. Well, that's not hard. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. That's a crazy amount of money. Uh it's got 71 on Rotten Tomatoes. It's not considered too, oh, too bad. Nice. I don't know that. Yeah. I, yeah, I guess I conflated a lot with the other Wolverine movie, the Origins mm-hmm. one. Um, I'm yeah. just gonna be very interested in seeing like how he decides to do this and then how he approaches it differently when it comes time for Logan. Because it's the Absolutely. same play by the same actor and you're taking them the same source material, but this time you're writing it yourself and you're gonna adapt it from like much darker uh storyline, and it's gonna be a fucking banger like it's considered one of the best superhero <laughs> movies of all time is the wolverine it is definitely in the conversation 100 percent. i've heard a lot of people be like what's the best superhero movie of all time what is the best marvel film of all time i've heard people argue logan, logan. uh dark uh 
Dark uh, Dark Knight and Iron Man and Superman. I've heard all those movies in the conversation. Logan is 100% in the conversation. That's one of the best of all time. Even if you're not a fan of superhero movies, even if you are not familiar with the franchise or anything in general, it's oh, still especially if you're not. I think that's why it carried over so well because it like yeah. specifically spoke to people who are not like Marvel or DC or like superhero fans. And it's also, oh, Patrick. Oh, what's like? What's his name? Patrick Stewart. Oh my gosh, it's heartbreaking. Curse the storm. Just curse oh. the movie. Oh, Patrick Stewart in the movie. Oh, it's heartbreaking. Um, yeah, there's. Oh, I remember when it came out. There was a lot of discussion about how this was really a, a, a like a, a Clint Eastwood kind of movie that was done up like a super. So that's what James Mangold is becoming known for. He's like genre blending. Yes. I can figure that out. That he's starting to get a reputation. For being able to blend genres into things that they, you know, like a mashup usually would not be, uh, like in a, other directors' hands would be considered mm -hmm. kind of like very risky. And even though these movies aren't doing that well uh, commercially so far, we are seeing that he's able to at least get studios behind the idea of doing these mashups. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I like movies. Okay, well, you can make the argument that most good, great movies are mashups, genre mashups. There's very few movies nowadays that aren't mashups. Like, well, I'm saying like The Eternals is like a Marvel movie. Dune is like an epic. Like you, there's kind of things, but I'm saying taking a comic book movie and making it a like a, a, a almost like a Ronin like Japanese samurai warrior film, or making it a you know lone gunman like Clint Eastwood kind of thing and making it just sort of a different father you know a father and surrogate daughter slash clone mm -hmm. experience like a road trip maybe like doing that to something that is a definable marvel property is like a it's a it's considered a huge risky move back then i mean not back then but like it's it, considered a huge risky not, move. not even so just back then i just think in general it it was because yeah. this is because I feel like we, we can definitely save this down the line, but as a quick, uh, but just kind of to cover it in, before that. But at that point, we had already have had genre bending superhero comic book movies at the time. And we were really, what we really loved as fans was the idea of a heavy, dramatic comic book movie. Those were a lot of the movies that were really doing well. Um, do I need to talk about the Batman franchise <laughs> all that much? The, and, and for a lot of fans. Different because the Batman franchise were dark and gritty, but they were still definably action, like gritty, like hard. They were just like more like almost like realistic yes. and like let's like whatever. Yeah, but I mean, so is so like a sad movie. Like that's a drama. Like it is a- yeah, no, absolutely. And like it sadness, is. you know? It absolutely is. And I think that's it. But the thing is, it also just so happens to have be in a situation where it is about it is about these group of kids. It is about it, it has like a lot of these darker themes. Well, you think this well. way, I guess my question is uh, with with X-Men being as notable as an IP and we probably should save this conversation for when we do these movies. But with X-Men being this notable of an IP and these characters being famous for doing these X-Men movies. To take the characters and then put them in this kind of situation, which is very bleak and like different than what we've seen them in, like it's a big. I would say it's still a huge risk. Like it was a huge yeah. risk for them to take this on. It's. Not, I don't think it was so much a huge risk personally, just because they were. It was clear that a lot of the other 
that the X-Men franchise, the direction it was traditionally going into, where they were trying to, in some ways, ways replicate the MCU and DCEU, it wasn't working for them. I mean, we've had... Um, 17 it was. Like, they were still making more of them. Like, the new class. Yeah, but I mean, they, they weren't... They, I mean, they were, sure, they were successful, but they weren't to the same level of conversation people didn't love them the same way people Fair. watched them the opening weekend but that was it um i think of another standalone movie that is like this like logan that exists in the superhero world i guess i mean eternals kind of because eternals just felt so divorced from the rest of it maybe like mm-hmm. uh into the spider-verse and the stuff tackled there but all mm-hmm. the rest of these movies like superhero movies feel like they do kind of exist in the same yeah. Thing. God, I'm trying to think. Maybe 1984, just because of how bad mm-hmm. shit it is. Mm-hmm. You well, and with when it comes to Logan, though, in particular, I think it really is effective as a standalone movie. However, you wouldn't be able to appreciate it to the extent if you hadn't watched watched his journey through previous films like if you didn't know his, like if you didn't know his relationship with his father figure which is ironically his father figure played by uh, professor x and yeah. you did if you didn't know his relationship uh with um like how he got to mexico or his battle with alcoholism and how he just kind of hates himself for being not necessarily immortal but very slow very very slow aging essentially yeah, I just think the way that this, these issues are tackled in this movie as opposed to other movies. But again, we should save this for, for the other time. This is bad. That movie is very different from Nine Day. My only point being that, like, he's starting to get a reputation, whether earned or not, as somebody who can, like, take this disparate thing and, like, this thing and sort of genre blend it together. Um, take a movie that had been written 12 different times in various forms and, you know, for better or worse, make it into a movie that people apparently kind of love taking the movie identity which is just a bonkers batshit genre yeah. idea and matching it up with like you know like a like a actual sort of weird not like a psychological thriller you know taking like the idea of a premise that's agatha christie and turning it into like a twist psychological thing is like a pretty cool thing and i think that you know 310 to yuma becoming like a buddy movie and a western uh or like adapting it like he's taking these things and i think one thing you can say about him the biopic like walk the line and having that be so like mm-hmm. stand out is that he's making maybe mashup is the wrong word maybe what i'm thinking is he's making iconic iconoclastic films in genres like he's becoming known for taking doing stuff within a genre and then making it stand out from said genre like doing it differently than the genre usually calls for so night and day is like it's like a rom-com action film but it feels different because it's so heavy on the rom-com stuff. But it's not. But the thing is, you anyone, okay, so any director also in theory can make a genre-bending film. However, not every director can make a good genre-bending film. Arguably, this is not one of them. (laughs) Yeah, and this is definitely not one of them, for sure. But I think what it's like, like you said, he is building his name as like an editor a director that can experiment, that can uh, blur the lines when it comes to certain, when it comes to certain ideas and filming certain scripts that can be in theory, very difficult to do. And if it's done in the wrong hands now, yeah. not to say that he's always the right set of hands to tackle genre bending. Quaintly pulled in this is not giving me very like hard, strong vibes. He knows how to write 
rom romantic comedies very well. Plus, I would I am really excited to see him. Hopefully, well, I'm with in the new Indiana yeah. Jones, right? Like that's the that's where the real test is going to be. Is like he's going to take this very famous IP, this very popular IP, mm -hmm. like kind of like with the uh, Wolverine, and like let's see if he fucks it up or not. I mean, King of the Crystal Skull was awful. But I'm very interested to see how, like, what he does with this, like, you know, again, like, taking a well-known property and making yeah. it his own, however he does that. Like, I'm very interested, like, is it going to be, like, Ghostbusters Afterlife or whatever? Or is it going to be, like, a, you know, this weird standalone iconoclastic film that doesn't feel like it's necessarily part of the rest of the Indiana Jones vibe? Like, is it going to be, like, Indy really considering death and his legacy? It, I, I don't know. I really, I also am just really curious to see what the studio, because obviously, well, the studio is not going to allow Indiana to die. Or if he does die, hypothetically, it's he's not so much going to die. It's going to be like him retiring. Well, we saw Logan die. Yeah, but this is Indiana Jones. <laughs> this yeah. is a very different thing. Also, Harrison Ford has said repeatedly, he doesn't want him to die. He this is Harrison Ford is the act is the kind of actor where he, he's been asked in interviews, oh who would you love to see like you do a young Indiana Jones or whatever? And he's like, what the fuck? No, you retire the character once I'm done. Oh <laughs> well, that, that hey, that's never gonna happen. Good luck getting he's, that uh, yeah. Oh no absolutely but as as long as Harrison Ford is is Indiana Jones? He is not going to let that happen. Wait, 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 wait! But Alex, that already did happen. Young Indiana Jones was its own TV series, like very. Yeah, famous. but that's different. It's a t it's a TV show. It doesn't count. Okay, but like at least in Harrison Ford's mind, and it's yeah, it's okay. like he was like also he was a kid. He was a kid. Yeah, he was a kid. He was like fifteen years old. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But young Indiana Jones, like it was, is it yeah, own, But I mean, like it's it's not it's not like a movie. It's different. And at least at least in Harrison Ford's mind, he's like that doesn't count. Well, yeah, I guess it's, it's just in terms of like the, the baton being passed. It's like yo, you already have like that's already been a problem. Also, you yeah. also already have Shia. Like, are they just gonna retcon Shia because he can't be in these movies anymore? He can't be in anything anymore. Well, he's he, he can still hypothetically he can still be the son, but he maybe he'll have like no, he won't be allowed to be in the movie. Like, or maybe he'll no. Oh, no, 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 not that. I just mean, like, maybe he'll have another son that he didn't know about. Oh, or yeah. maybe he'll have, like, or maybe he'll have a student that uh, he... I think he, he will. Mentors. Because I think and that's what, uh, what's her name going to be? Phoebe Walberbridge. Or Phoebe Walber, exactly. Walber, whatever her name, Fleabag. Yeah, Fle Phoebe, Phoebe Walberbridge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that is going to be fascinating because that is an age gap right there. But I'm not sure if necessarily, they say they're playing against each other. I'm not sure if she's supposed to be a romantic love interest and if she is oh, you know like you know like she's helping out with the script like you know that's not going to be like a something that's going to go like unremarked upon she's definitely going to be like mentioning the power dynamic in between the two of them i'm really Maybe interested in seeing where this goes sorry yeah i would be surprised if, if she plays his daughter granddaughter or heck like his you know, I think somebody who's like, like, finds out is his granddaughter like or sorry finds out is his daughter like through by the end of the film Mm -hmm. Or heck, maybe he finds out uh, this this woman is like like a lot smarter, and she's like correcting him, and she's like, where he's like, yeah, we just take the shit or whatever, because Indiana Jones oh, is notoriously a no, horrible maybe archaeologist. Maybe it's like the new 007. Maybe it's like the new James Bond, where she's just like the new version of him, who's like she's the professor who's like taking over his job because his tenure, yeah. but like he's old. Maybe he's gotten into some. Uh, <laughs> I just like the idea that Indiana Jones has been canceled. Like he said some shit. In well, his he is. That he was, like, is not... an awful archaeologist. 
he's also an awful professor who's never there like he's constantly out there like doing not doing professorial work and the idea that he might just accidentally get canceled considering the last time we saw him in a classroom like a girl was winking love you at him like it's that, but that wasn't him like he wasn't sleeping with students I or anything, but his i understand but students wanted to sleep with him a bunch of them did that's not his fault though well but in today's climate it's not the best look i'm just saying i'm, I'm very interested yeah like yeah, but that's not his problem though. If 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 a guy if a guy hypothetically wants to sleep with me, that's not my problem. That's his I problem. Like they'll deal with campus politics or office politics with his job yeah. as a professor. Uh, also, mm -hmm. running away to go steal artifacts and give them to museums or like the fucking government. As, or as, as or even kid. better, you can bring yeah. up. I was a child, and he was like, "What?" Sorry, are they like? Uh, did you sleep with a Nazi at one point that was also sleeping with your dad? And he'll be like, but, yeah, what about but it? he didn't know one, she was a Nazi, and he, he didn't know that two, she was sleeping with his dad. <laughs> he still kind of wanted to do her. He also slapped her in the face uh, before he knew either of those things, which is not cool to do. He no, he slapped, no, he slapped, no, he slapped her in the face once he found out. And she no, also she slapped her in the face. She, no, when, she, when he kissed, when she kissed, when he kissed her, she slapped him in the face, and he slapped her right back. That was after before he found out. Oh yeah, I don't. I, yeah, I can't remember this. I remember. I'm thinking about the when they confronted each other at the book burning. Oh yeah, no, he doesn't slap her there because he doesn't want. Yeah, to that's what I'm thinking of. I know he shoves her against a wall at one point. Yeah, and she's like, and he's like, scream, and like, she's like, I could just scream and call them all over here, and he's like, you scream, and like, you won't even live to see them, or something like that, and you're like, that's hot, mm -hmm. I guess. Are you guys still into each other? I can't tell. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, he could have a Nazi kid that's actually his brother or sister. I mean, he's sure, we could have a Chinatown thing going on. Not his brother or his sister. Although, this would be taking place post Crystal Skull. I, I, I don't want, I don't... <sighs> I don't want to talk about any, like, think about any more Nazis. <laughs> Honestly, I'm kind of done with the Nazi trope. Well, don't worry. He's now in the part of the future where he's just against the Russians. So That makes more sense. I mean, it's supposed to be more Cold War era if it's supposed to be take place in the 50s or 60s. Yeah, let's that see makes... what else we got going on here in the new Indiana Jones world. I'm trying to see if there's any updated news on Indiana Jones. The oh. new Indiana Jones. Let's see. Indiana Jones movies. Okay, let's see. News about it. One second. Uh, oof, oof. Indiana Jones crew member dies on location in Morocco. That's not great. That's the first I've heard of it. I mean, it was no uh, rust, but it seems like it was not great. Um, reportedly, I was, I was, I was, like, oh. I, was it related to the movie or no? Or did he? Get, he just I don't know. It seems like, it seems like a, a, a reportedly found dead is does not sound like it was during the shooting let's see yeah yeah oh. he was found dead in a hotel room oh. uh, not related to production that's sad though um let's see what else we know uh he rides a boat he uh let's see push back a year so now it's all gonna be in 2023 jesus christ he's shooting in italy um and indiana wait here we go indiana jones director james mangold that has answered a very important question about Harrison Ford's indie. Okay. So here's the plot thing on Twitter that he posted. James Mangold responded to an Indiana Jones fan on Twitter who had a simple but very important question for the director. Whether Indy's bag strap is over or under his leather jacket. Mangold replies with an emphatic over, so it's clear the director has a lot of thoughts on the controversial question. Is that a controversial question? 
that's that's hilarious. That means he's on Twitter just answering Indiana Jones questions. We should send him ours. Also, our <laughs> next question. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's up? Hey, Mangold, can you explain this to us, please? Yeah. Oh, God. Because I, I do, uh, on one end, I kind of feel bad, but I kind of don't. Because I remember when uh, when we did the Schlafly songs and we covered, what was that? Schlafly songs. Yeah. We covered the, what was it, the one with Blackface? It said, oh my God, it. Calendar Man or January Calendar Man. Yeah. Thank you, Calendar Man. Oh gosh. And there was an entire thread talking about how, like, we were like, why is this in in the movie at all? And it was in the script. And it was like, it was like, why? How? How did this happen? How did this actually get shot? Blackface. It was like, there was entire conversations in the movie surrounding how did this happen? And it was all like a huge Twitter, like a, a Twitter thread. Um, like a, like you, Lon, and I, and a few other people, but he was also in the thread. So hypothetically, he got like, he got all those notifications for every one of them as well. And so I kind of feel bad for him. I don't. Know. <laughs> I feel like he was like, we give him a chance to come on. He he probably loves the attention. I love it. I don't. We definitely didn't tag him on the one where we talked about the blackface. I promise you, I did not tag him on that one. Oh, I remember. I no, I I couldn't. There was multiple tweets but that one in particular that thread in particular he was tagged in because i remember oh, looking yeah. at it. well that's neither here nor there but i really hope yeah. uh i hope not uh i did not mean to call him out on that but i did want to talk to him about it i'm um, so wait i'm on the path in the next indiana jones film there's no trailer but of course uh, not. harrison Ford, blah, blah blah and the film will not take place too far in the past um since t Crystal's, Crystal Swells tackled the 50s, this one should probably land in the 60s. Um, James Mangold mentioned listening to the Velvet Underground and mentally living in the 60s NYC right now because of the movies he's working on. So that might be what this is about. Um, there's an unverified speculation that the plot could revolve around Jones battling a Nazi scientist enlisted into NASA by the United States government to work on the Spaces Agency's moon landing initiative, which was things that did happen. We, we recruited yeah. a lot of Nazi scientists. Um, Oh my God, that's right. Mads Mikkelsen is in the fucking film. <gasps> and then we're going to be like the key villain. Oh, that's going to be so good. Um, it makes me so happy. And it's, I think it's, it was today or yesterday was his birthday. Oh, I love you, man. I love them. So yeah, wait, that was right. Phoebe Waller-Bridge will play the female lead in the film. Oh, I thought I was going to be saying something else. Um, there's also Toby Jones. Great. He needs to be in anything. Oh, he's wonderful. Boyd Halbrook, uh, again from uh, Logan, um, and Shanat Renee Wilson from Black Panther. Uh, Shia LaBeouf will not be returning, um, but that's also because he's canceled. And who else is involved with it? Uh, the guys, it's being screenplayed by the same people who did Ford versus Ferrari, a movie I've not seen yet. It's uh, so John Williams is going to do it, and Spielberg and Kathleen Kennedy and Frank Marshall who, if you'll remember, I believe is Kathleen Kennedy's husband who wrote, uh, who uh, had the rights to Congo. It's fun. It's fun. George Lucas gets, in a, gets a writing credit. So, guys, I think that's that's all we had for Night and Day. As you can tell, we're just, we're off topic now because that movie is bonkers. Yeah, um, we're just hanging out. We're having fun, chatting Logan and, uh, and Jones. Thanksgiving. What do you, what you got going on? 
I'm going to be going home back home to visit family in St. Louis. That's going to be fun. And we're going to be going down there for a few days. Actually, um, right after this, I'm going to be doing some packing because we leave tomorrow. And then next week, I'm going to be going spectacular. Mm -hmm. so, oh, wow. Spectacular? I'm going to be I'm going to be at spectacular. I'm going to be at all the events around spectacular. I'm coming home two days before spectacular and getting ready because Adelia is coming to stay with us, uh, which Wonderful. I'm really excited about. Yeah. Um, I'm really excited to see everybody, especially because no big deal. I'm looking at, I just randomly started looking at like what the predictions are for season nine. People seem to have me pretty uh, high up there for people that are going to do well in season next season. Oh, I just, uh, I just keep thinking, I, I just keep thinking about your performance, especially during the horror exhibition match. And you did a fantastic, but I think you just really blew everyone away with. Oh yeah. Well, not just with the speed round, but just throughout the, it overall, well, it's yeah. such a, it's oh my gosh i've talked about it a million times why well, right. i feel like a million times how schmodown every year they should create another they should create another division for the year like every year they have like an extra division or at least exhibition matches like this one we were gonna get but no because there's no horror exhibition there'll be like four exhibitions in horror this year that i think that's good you know uh, I well, exhibition matches are cool, but I don't. I'm not talking about an exhibition match. I'm talking about a genre specifically that goes on for like a genre specific division for one year. One I year it's we, horror. Next year it I can guess, be horror. The year after it can be animated, and it can have yeah. all of its own places and everything. I guess my all only right. issue is like with with doing that, you have to do a tournament, and then it becomes like very narrow and like this this kind of like building up to something. I like the idea of the exhibitions because it's like the idea of like almost like stakes and you don't have to build up like a bunch of matches and have these brackets and exactly. all these things that are time consuming. That's, well, that's why, that's why I'm not a huge fan of it because, well, I, I like exhibition matches just fine, except that they don't really mean much in the long term. Like they're not going to earn you points or anything. But like next season, we're not going to be focusing on factions that much. So I think that's exactly the I direction know. of it. Right. So like that. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a, that's definitely a, an argument for sure. I'm really curious to see what Christian's going to do. I know there has been a lot of talk about the the increasing the number of factions, but there's going to be less people on the factions. There's only going to be like four or five people per faction, which is really? kind of insane. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but I like I think that all is good. The idea of these doing more like stunt matches or whatever. I think that there's I like the idea of like you know I love doing that exhibition match also because like even in a tournament. The chances of me getting to play another speed round would be very low. I'd have to go to the finals of the tournament. Like, whereas this thing with Janine that I just did for the final girls was so much fun. And I got my first time at the buzzer and it was so like different. It was a refreshing change of pace. Mm -hmm. I really like doing it. This um, is you. So, this is you. Yeah, this is me. Dirt. It's me. It's like, like Anya Taylor Joy's first movie. The witch. <laughs> I'm gonna say like whenever I see you in LA, that's what I'm gonna do. Hey Drew, can someone, that? Can someone gif that by the way of me just like slamming <laughs> that buzzer down? Like I'm just you're I'm sore. I, I would love to see I would love to see a, a gif of you and you and Brendan Meyer or just like people how they do this because Brendan Meyer he whenever he has a, he does a, the speed round he literally goes like yeah this like, is the answer me and, me and Brendan are both very <laughs> oh like um, jumpy people. We, I remember we asked him that during, um, uh, on, on when he, he came for an interview um, with Chill to Action, we 
it was uh, Paul asked him. It was like a this or that question. And it was sex or the buzzer. Oh God, you cannot ask that. To be he answered though. He answered, and he's like, "Oh shit, the buzzer." Yeah, the buzzer, the buzzer feels really good. so good. <laughs> we could even argue it's the same thing. It was. It was really funny. It was great. Um. Okay. Well, I think this is pretty good, guys. Uh, we're gonna break and you know have Thanksgiving next week. We will not be having a show. Uh, because we will be going, or at least not on Tuesday, because I will be flying home uh, mm-hmm. from blah, 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 to blah, 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 and I won't be getting back until late. So we're going to yeah. uh, put next week on hold. Hopefully the week after, which is the week after Spectacular, we're going to be able to do uh, the next movie, The Wolverine. So we're going to figure out, uh, or not The Wolverine, then we will at some point have a special, we're hoping we're getting it together right now, a special uh holiday themed episode with some special guests on um because i like when we have guests on and the holidays last year was really fun you had that you had that cool guy on we had roke on a couple times you had your friend from screen screen crush who's Mm -hmm. great we Mm -hmm. yeah well i like that idea and so yeah i'm very excited about what we have coming up but next week we will be taking a brief hiatus um Mm -hmm. where can people find you you can find me talking about how uh <laughs> planes trains and automobiles is actually a movie about polyamory <laughs> on, twitter, wow, wow, wow. on twitter right here at real underscore you're Alex back Matt. to that movie huh I, I i watch it and i actually watched it again pretty recently and i was like yeah i'm still getting the same vibes i don't know wow. what to tell you dude <laughs> wow <laughs> really bad but um it's yeah there, there's a lot of longing looks i yeah, I'm like, you get you some. All right. But yeah, I'm actually, I'm inching my way closer. I am, I believe yeah, I'm at like 240 first time watches for the year. So before the end of the year, I had to hit 50 movies. Yay. More than 50, 50 movies, first time watch movies. So help me along on my journey, make suggestions and stuff on my Twitter. That'd be dope. Sweet. And as for me, you can find me over at uh, Video Drew. It's one word. It's across all social media. You can also find my podcast network that I do with Nerd Chronic. Nerd Chronic. It's called Content Candy. We just have a new episode of Garmin Shosia with me and Lon Harris up. Uh, please, guys, if you can, go over there. Go over to iTunes or podcasts or whatever and leave a review. Leave a nice rating. Give us some five stars. Uh, and just it really helps boost up our numbers and helps us get things like sponsorship deals, which are incredibly important for keeping the lights on. So if you do that, I do have an offer going where if you leave a review on uh, the podcast thing that, you know, the Apple podcast thing or iTunes, whatever you want to call it, uh, the regular podcast shit that people listen to, I will endorse you for whatever you want on LinkedIn. And my endorsement, that should mean something. I, I don't care if it's like for mechanics or for spying or for knowing Excel, I will in fact, endorse you for whatever you want. That's my promise. So, you know, take that as as it will. Um, we also have the uh, Video Chronic Pop Culture Quizzes that we do Monday and Thursday. We just did the Ultimate Thanksgiving movie, Spider-Man, the Sam Raimi one. Uh, yesterday, I fell asleep on stream because I'm still getting used to the East Coast, West Coast thing. I also have a Patreon guy, patreon.com backslash video drew. Again, any donation helps, even a buck, and it gets you access to cool things. Um, like study sessions and fun hangouts and the ability to help choose movies for us. Um, I also do this week, Saturday coming up, we have uh, another, why are we like this with me and Adam Collins? Um, I think we're going to be 
tackling some of my early writing that I found, my childhood writing, as well as some web series uh, that I'm obsessed with. So we'll be going into that after our very successful Chucky episode that involved Devin Sawa following me on Twitter and getting a like from Jennifer Tilly. So that's, you know, the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, otherwise, guys, thank you so much for joining us. Have a happy, happy Turkey Day. Tolerate your family. They are what they are. We all love we all love each other in, in mm -hmm. difficult ways. And just think about this. It could always be worse. You could be living in night and day. And but you okay. can be safe out there. Yeah, be safe. If you're traveling, be safe. Don't mm -hmm. let Tom Cruise shoot down your entire airplane. Uh, okay, guys. See you guys. Bye.